My name is Chris Bett and welcome to the first two defeats from a crisis on Saturday at three. The name of this podcast absolutely rings true as myself and the guys dissect Rangers' abysmal opening day defeat to Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. Joining me to go through this, we have a full house tonight. Um, we're all on to discuss this, uh, so we all want to get a wee kick in, I think. So first of all, it's Kenny. Kenny, um, I usually ask everyone how we're doing. I'm going to skip that question. I'll just be, Kenny? Hi. <laughs> uh, Tom? Hello. Dave? Hello. And finally, Eddie? Evening. Good evening. Um, so, look, it's been a disastrous start. I, I don't. I think that's probably underwhelming it a little. It, it was, I think, abysmal is probably the, the best way to describe it. It was absolutely horrific. There you go. Three words already. Three different words. Not one of them in the slightest positive. Uh, it was the worst possible start we could ever have made to a league campaign. It's the first defeat um, in an opening day since 1998. Um, so you'll have a few people say, oh, look what happened that year, cool. Uh, you keep the blue tinted specs on if you want. Um, also, uh, I've seen someone say today, so I'm going to bring it up, that it's actually the first opening day defeat since Kilma- uh, since Hearts beat us. Uh, that was in the Championship. That 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 doesn't count. We're talking about the real football. Um, so it certainly is the first opening day defeat since 1998. Um, it's not what was expected at all. Uh, it's not what's demanded at all. Uh, when you spend between 15 and £17 million pound on a brand new team and uh, you're only kind of looking at, what, five new players in that brand new team um it's 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 no it's no great it's it's no great at all so we're going to try and make sense of this as best we can i, I don't know how we're going to try and make sense of it but we certainly will we'll probably come away for this podcast having presented more issues and more alarm bells than you probably already thought despite the fact that we're trying to actually make sense of it because every time i think about this I, it was it's getting worse and worse and worse from performance to fitness to attitude to team selection um, to the overall approach towards the game. Uh, I just I, I'm really failing to to describe this now. Uh, as I've said, I think now I'm up to maybe ten adjectives that are negative. Um, Eddie, I'll bring you in first. Just just how bad was this? Uh, it's easy to say how bad was this result because obviously any negative result is bad despite the performance. We could we could play really, really, really well and still come away with a negative performance. So I think I'm going to have to just ask you how bad was this performance? Um, obviously the result goes without saying, but we have to now look at the, the performance first, I think, because that's the major concern for me. I could almost, almost understand if we just were unlucky, 35 shots in goal, um, 75% possession and Kelly get a breakaway it's just not all day but that just wasn't the case at all was it? No and you're right the biggest concern out of everything is the performance um, defeats happen nobody likes it we would have been raging if we'd lost but at least if the team had looked like they could do something then uh, we'd be seeing something to build on like if you look at Advocat when he took over and we lost away at Hearts everyone could see what the team was pulling for what direction what type of style they were going to play and everyone was confident that yeah, we'd lost that game, but actually, come the end of the season, we were very confident we would still win it. That team, that game on Saturday, the team just looked horrendous. I could see no discernible style of play. Nobody seemed to have any ideas. I mean, we've loaded, and, and we've praised Beal for it, but we've loaded the front area with new players because we said we were the most wasteful team in the final third, but it looks like we're planning this season's almost seems to have been try and avoid getting the ball into that final third because there was just no creativity in that team whatsoever. No, no, there really wasn't. Uh, Kenny, look, let's just fire right in here. The first kind of talking point of the game happened before the game even kicked off, the, the team lineup. So it was Butland, Tavernier, Goldson, Suter, Barisic, Lundstrom, um, Raskin, Dowell, Lammers, Dessels and Sima. No Cantwell, Sifuentes or Danilo. Um, now, the reason I'm bringing Sifuentes and Danilo up here is because Sifuentes is probably the fittest player we have on the books at the moment. This guy's played all season. Yeah, he had a couple of weeks break there, but he's he's raring to go. There could be an argument there he doesn't know his teammates, etc. He's just signed. Cool, that's fine. Um, I'm pretty sure another team in Glasgow fling these kind of get boys into these sort of games and they flourish, so that's a concern. Danilo has played a full pre-season. He scored quite a few goals with Feyenoord, um, and we went with Dessels up front, who looks as if he's carrying... Um, 
A few extra pounds and towing a few caravans. This guy is completely unfit. And then, of course, Cantwell, our best player last season, our best player, and he's not on the team. What, what, what did you make of the starting lineup? Because to me, and I'm not saying this with the benefit of hindsight, uh, hindsight sorry, it's easy with hindsight to, to say that I thought this or I thought that, but I genuinely, at the time, was like, that is an utter disgrace, the fact that we are starting this game with two holding midfielders, three essentially, if you look at the way Dowell played, um, and then a whole new front line uh, of players that... One's clearly not fit. One more dubious about in Seema. In Seema. And Lamels, yes, good player, but is he better than Cantwell? I don't think so. And Cantwell was a key in these games last season. It was what he was trying to do with this lineup. I have no idea. No, not me neither, to be honest. Uh, and the thing that I, I've taken from this, this is this is the third, maybe fourth time that uh, I, I've actually seen the team lineup and been totally deflated instantly. It's like all the air just gets sucked clean out of you. Uh, and you take a look at that team and think, you've got to struggle with that team. Uh, and that's exactly how I felt on Saturday. Um, with all respect to Kilmarnock, I am sick to the back teeth of watching Rangers play with two holding midfielders, two guys in this pivot. Uh, we don't need them. Um, there's, a, a, there's a way to deal with this that, and we seem hell-bent on not doing that. Um Todd Cantwell was by far our best player last season, so I'm of the old school there, and I would say if it's not broke, don't try and fix it. Um, Mystifying to me that a guy that was by far our best player didn't get a game, didn't get a start, Um, particularly with his, you know, Michael Beale's reason after the game where he said he didn't think it was the type of game at the start of the game that was right for Todd Cantwell, and Frankly, without being personal, that's just utter nonsense. Uh, he's been the difference in a number of games exactly like that. Um, Dessers does look unfit. I would have went with Danilo. Uh, I can understand to a certain degree if Fuentes not playing. Uh, but then again, I'm a little bit like you. I'll look at the other side of the city and see them. At the, I don't know how many times they've done it. They did it with Alistair Johnson. They did it with Kyogo. Uh, they've done it loads of times. Guys literally off a plane and in their team. Uh, you play your best players regardless, um, in my opinion. Uh, so, in short, the the team, when I seen that team, Chris, I, I just knew we were going to struggle. And as I said a, f- a few times, this has happened now, where you just look at it and he's he's picked the wrong team for the, for the wrong game and it's becoming a little bit of a habit that's be- becoming a wee bit of a concern to me, Chris. Dave, I joked offline um, just moments ago there that Bill's game plan for this game, uh, you, you, you could be uh, mistaken in thinking that in order to combat the low block, he'd set up his own low block. Um, in order to nullify Kilmarnock, you match them man for man and what they're trying to do. Uh, we knew Kilmarnock were going to flood the box. We knew they were going to have 10 men, 11 men behind the ball at times. We knew they were going to work hard. Um, for, for us to... Uh, let, let's let's bring back the expression that you hate, Dave. To, for us to horseshoe it around ourselves and not Kilmarnock, because we weren't passing it around Kilmarnock, we are just passing it amongst ourselves, because Kilmarnock were, were camped in that box of theirs. To then resort to the crosses, to, to you know, six foot four, six foot five centre-halves, to then make, and this is no disrespect to the, to the lad, um, I thought he had a fantastic game and it's just absolutely typical, but to then make our sixth or seventh choice, uh, or sorry, our former sixth or seventh choice defender look like Franco Bressi <laughs> and, and Lewis Mayo, yeah, as I say, he had a really good game, but we made him look as if he could have done a job for us when I don't actually think that's the case, um, purely because we played his strengths. We put balls in the box and he just ate them up all day. Um to then, obviously, you, you, you've got Butland, his tactic at the start, Dave, was long ball after long ball after long ball. Now, that's not a, a choice Butland's making. I'm presuming that's a choice that, 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 that Beal has made. And then we resort to playing it to Goldson or Suter inside the box at by kicks. Lundstrom comes to collect. Lundstrom will give the ball to Raskin. Raskin will give it back to Lundstrom. And Lundstrom will either put it out wide to Barisic or Tav, or he'll put it back to Butland and then repeat. And that's, that, that, that's the game plan. That's the game plan. Um, can you make sense of it? Absolutely not. There's nothing there in terms of 
the style that we thought we were getting when Bill came back in, and obviously he's had a period now of adjustment since he came back to try and impose his style. We gave him last season's a bit of honeymoon, and not even just Saturday, but for me, throughout the whole of pre-season, it's not been apparent that there's any sort of style or patterns of play or anything, and it seems to have regressed massively. You talked about playing at Runkelly at the back. We seem to, and you'll see this graphic kicking about on Twitter, I'm sure we've everybody's seen it by now, this graphic with Seema, Dessers and Lammers in the middle, basically isolated. The size of the circle represents the number of touches or whatever. Completely isolated, playing within the boundaries of Kelly's defensive shape, throwing them right into the area where Kelly are defending the most with the most men. Kelly will play, I didn't pay too much attention to what they were doing, but it'll be a 4-5-1, 5-4-1, two banks of five kind of thing. And we've put three guys right in the middle of that with zero service. So we basically played with five, six men at the weekend of our own volition because there's no width in the team, there's no width in the squad now with fashion basically being away. The whole thing is is baffling to me and very, very worrying. And it showed we didn't create a set. Somebody, the stats says we get 18 shots. I don't think we created a chance worthy of the name on Saturday. There wasn't one opportunity I got out of my seat. And Dessers maybe had the best of them and looked very, very poor. So, as we've said, it's not just... You could take a defeat if we'd peppered their goal and been unlucky, fair dues. But we didn't. And we're continuing this dismal pre-season form into league business. When you sh- This team should be sparking the new good pre-season, fresh, fit, new team, new energy, and it's as dull and slow and turgid as the worst of it we've seen in the last five or six years. Just just on that chance with, with Dessers, Dave, because I've not actually got it here um, on the agenda, so since you brought it up, I'll discuss it. The problem I've got with that, Dave, is he's literally taking about eight touches. I don't think I'm exaggerating there. Eight touches in the, the box. He sets himself up for two shots through these touches, doesn't take either of them, and then one of the touches actually sets him up for a layoff to double for a shot. Doesn't even take that. In the end, the ball gets cleared. That comes down to that doesn't come down to fitness, match sharpness, right? And that just comes down to decision making. And once again, it looks like we've got a striker that's scared to shoot. And aye, he, aye. Four million quid. The the alarm bells are massively ringing with the big man for me. He looks cumbersome, slow, poor decision making. I they said it in the group chat right at that point. He looks like a fat da playing with wee boys. Ah, he's big enough to hold people off, but he's no pace and very little ability and there, there's nothing like a cutting edge coming from him. He barely touched the ball in pre-season either, let's not forget. So, I know we're, oh, don't write the math, it's too early and all that, but nobody could point to a moment for Dessers where they've went, I actually I can see there's a player in there. The, the, the problem the problem with what you've just described is we've just let a boy go like exactly like that and it would have probably been cheaper to keep him. Well, <laughs> Aye. And, and this isn't me saying oh, let's get Alfredo back or we should never let Alfredo go but if you're going to let Morelos go because of the problems that he, he gave us on and off the pitch let's forget about off the pitch now because I think Dessers will no get anywhere near the off the pitch problems but on the pitch problems it looks like we're like for like it really does and that isn't, a, that isn't a good because it's like for like Morelos last two seasons not Morelos first two seasons and we had serious problems on the pitch because of that. Um, Tom, another thing that I want to um, discuss is the lack of fitness. We did not look fit at all. I'm not going to pick on Dessers because he wasn't the only one. I'm, I, I actually think the fittest players for me, Suter, which tells its own story, Dibble, um Seema and Lammers, that's the only guys that look ready for a season starting. The rest... Just were blown out of their arse. Tav, wow, um, it just does not look fit. Goldson, he, he's, he's just back for an knock. I can, I can accept that. Barisic, it's difficult to tell if Barisic is fit. I know he doesn't want the ball and he goes hiding and he doesn't go past the halfway line, so I don't know if he's fit. Lundstrom, what the, f- like, I don't know. Raskin, um, for me, Nico Raskin is, uh, he's, he had a long break and he's missed a good chunk of the of the kind of core fitness for pre-season and I think that's telling and then of course Dessels um, how worried are you about the, when it comes to fitness um, because this isn't this is this is an attitude thing now and we had that last season when it came to fitness yeah it, it, it didn't look good less, less you know um, yeah not, not good at all fitness wise I think they'll get better and 
is a is you know is a question to be asked about preseason. Did we do too much? You know that Michael Beale said he ran them into the ground at preseason and and in the, and in the matches. So is it just they've not worked it out the legs yet? In which case, so, listen, I don't. We, we've discussed a lot of this offline, and I, I don't really want to bring it on the podcast. I don't think it's what people want to hear. But when you've get when you've got Giovanni van Bronckhorst being criticised for not doing enough, and now Beale has done too much. How can we not get a manager that knows the bar? Good question. I honestly don't know. Throw your insights Very insightful. I appreciate that. But yeah, I I don't know why why we've got it so wrong. Yeah. No. And again, I, you know, I could be wider the mark, and it could have just been they just couldn't be asked. But yeah, you know, my 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 feelings are yeah, we've we've maybe just over over overworked them. It's it's, it's possible, but if true, it's um, pretty pretty true. Uh, Kenny. Um, the opening first half was just utterly pathetic. I think we, there was one or two times where we could have been in. Um, Seema was called offside, but it looks like he was on. But at the end of the day, it, it didn't go to VAR anyway because there was no shot or no goal. Um, there was maybe one or two kind of chinks of light in terms of the door was ajar for us to exploit. We obviously didn't exploit it because we, we, there is no ruthlessness there. There is no... Um, the minute this, we smell blood, we're taking half chances, which we we need to do in these games. Um, and we sort of settled into what exactly what Kilmarnock wanted us to do. And now that, that's the worry for me. Um, if Derek McInnes could have written, you know, action by action, minute by minute, of exactly what he would love Rangers to have done in order for him to get something out of this match. Rangers actually performed well well above what he would have written, if that makes sense. We gave him so many gifts that I don't I actually think he's probably left that going game thinking, I can't believe that they've done exactly what I wanted and more. It was that bad. It was seriously that bad. Yeah, but it was better than the second half. Weirdly, because that got worse. Um, look, that is the issue. Uh, I mentioned it a wee minute ago. That that team that he's played there, and Dave mentioned the stat bomb thing. Um, we had three players basically playing in the same position. We had uh, we were missing a guy in midfield because we've got two holding. John Lundstrom was basically playing either as a centre half or right on top of Tavernier. Um, that's where he was going. He was going from that centre to the right. Uh, see if Michael Beale has turned. See if he's going to be brave. See if he wants to win things at Rangers. He's going to have to get this into his head. We need extra bodies in attacking, you know, positions. We need overlaps. We need uh, width, as Dave said as well. We need all of that. And what we don't need is almost like a line of, two, you know, four, four or five, you know, four lines or two right up the middle of the pitch. It's never going to work. Um, now, th- this, this is what's kind of worrying me. And I, it, listen, it's the, this is first game in, and I, I understand that we there might be an overreaction here on this podcast, but uh, we have to be realistic and honest with people. And if Michael Beale doesn't understand this, having been at Rangers before, so this is him being in Scotland for five years, if he doesn't understand that we played into Kilmarnock's hands before a ball was kicked, never mind when we started playing. We have real problems on our hands because if he's honestly thinking that the only way we're going to get width is by playing two 30-plus fullbacks and expect them to go up and down that line, uh, we're in for a long, hard season. Honestly, it's got to change. He's got to get this changed very, very quickly. Um and to start with that, I would suggest that he, he uh, how would I put this, try to be nice, uh, bends the idea of two pivots, yeah. play right away. He has to stop doing that. That shape, I, I don't want to talk about them, but I'm going to do this very quickly. Uh, what they do, and it's the way that they get overlaps, right, and it's the reason why they're winning league titles every year, is because they bombard teams with attack attacking play, is that they their centre-half split, and they go wide. Their fullbacks then charge up the pitch, and Callum McGregor sits in. So they're playing almost like a W shape, and they've got three in the middle of the pitch there, mm. and those three cover everything. It's almost, it. Kenny, it's almost as if you attack utter shape football players, you're going to get your rewards. That's exactly my point. Mm. We, we we need to see uh, a, an element of risk 
in our football. There is none. There is no risk to our football whatsoever. Well, I'm sure you'll probably come to it. It's probably on your agenda, the stuff with the Tavernier uh, throw-in later it's in next. the game. It's <laughs> right, well, the point being that I actually don't blame Tavernier for that. I actually blame Michael Beale for that, and I blame the players that are all standing about watching and not moving. Uh, at least Tavernier's shown a little bit of effort, because there's other ones about there that are not showing any effort whatsoever. Um, they're just saying, right, this is what we're doing, and that's it. We need imagination. We need... A risk, an element of risk. We need to be brave, and I'm just not seeing that at the minute, Chris. And I'm, I'm a wee bit annoyed about it actually tonight. I've got to be honest. What I'll say to that Kenny is I'm going to come to I'm going to come to a day for this uh, Tavernier thing. But obviously you said your piece there, so I don't want to go and say that I disagree with you without giving you your right to reply. As um, I, I can put a disagree with Kenny. <laughs> Fair Tav, enough. Tav, Tav pulled rank now. Um, and 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 I'm not saying that the evidence I've got for that is he does it all the time. He does it week in, week out. He pulls rank. He's taking it. It's his ball. Um, so I have literally zero sympathy for Tav um, in this situation. And listen, Kenny, plenty will agree with you and plenty will disagree with me. Plenty will agree with me and plenty will disagree with you. It's a game of opinions. It's no personal. Um Tav pulled rank there for me. Um, Look, before Eddie comes in, I, I'm not disagreeing with anything that you're saying there, but Tavernier's been told to do that, so that the, the responsibility lies higher up your chain there, to be listen, honest, Chris. I, I actually do agree with that, and, and I'll, I'll come on to that in a minute. Um, obviously, Bill wanting players to be in positions and so we're not caught in the counter-attack and stuff, like, that, that is a reason, but there is, listen... If Michael Beale has told Tavernier to go for the left-hand side of the football pitch to the right-hand side of the football pitch, when we've got an attacking throw-in, when the game is finally balanced, then we've got more problems than Aber thought we would have. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Beale has kind of drilled in him, always trying to get in position, but not to the detriment of an attack. I just I, I just cannot believe that that's a thing, because if that's a thing, we are fucked. And I mean that, we are totally... This is going to be the longest of long seasons. Um... Look, we'll, we'll come, Kenny. Unless you want any, what come in again? Because obviously, being when you disagree with somebody, I don't like to disagree and then you know put a, a full stop on it and move on. Always, not, honestly, not at all. You crack yeah, on. No problem, mate. Um, to your opinion. <laughs> all right, Hugh Evans. Adi, <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason I'm coming to you is because obviously I sit next to you at Ibrox um, most weeks, and it's something that has annoyed us uh, that probably since Gerald. Um, and it's th- this. This was all our chickens coming home to roost. I fucking seen it happening a mile away. <clears throat> Tav takes a free kick in the left hand side. Um, the ball ends up out for a throw in the right hand side. Lundstrom picks the ball up. The move is on. Lammers, boom. They play it to Lammers. Lammers back to Lundstrom. Lundstrom probably would have put it back to Button anyway. But Button plays it into Raskin. Raskin into um, Dessels or, or, or Lammers have now made the move in. You're through and goal. It, it's that quick. Um, again, this isn't a Celtic podcast by any stretch of the imagination. Of course it isn't. But the fact is, Rangers and Celtic are the only two teams in Scotland that will attack, that should be attacking these teams. Um, and Celtic done it to us um, at Parkhead last season when they beat us 4-0. The ball went out for a throw, a throw in. Jota, Jota had the throw, and then literally I timed it the other night there. Seven and a half seconds later, the ball's in the back of our net. There is simply no way that James Tavernier would ever have allowed Ryan Kent to take a throw in. He would never have allowed John Lundstrom to take a throw in. He would never allow Sam Lammers to take a throw in, Todd Cantwell. Eddie, we see every single week on the right-hand side of the pitch, it does not matter where James Tavernier is on the pitch. Tav is taking that throw in. Um... And the reason that I don't think this is a Michael Beale instruction, a Giovanni Van Brunk, uh, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst instruction, or a Steven Gerrard instruction, the same does not happen in a left-hand side of the pitch with Barisic. More often than not, the player who's nearest the ball will take the throw in on the left-hand side. Sometimes it will be Barisic because he's near the ball, but very rarely do we wait for Barisic to go and collect the ball. Whereas in the right-hand side of the pitch, there'll be a player who'll pick that ball up, they'll wait for Tav to jog. No urgency, jog, get the ball, and then fling it back into our, our half. On Saturday, there was urgency for Tav to get the fucking ball. This is what I don't understand. He urgently and furiously sprinted across the pitch, not to get back into position, not to offer a short one for Lundstrom, 
but to get the ball, he flings the ball back in and it goes back to Butland. I mean, come, Eddie, help me out here. There's not really anything to say about it. You're absolutely right. <clears throat> um, we've whinged about it numerous times over the last few years. And I know some people think it's ridiculous and say it's just, or up until Saturday, used to say it's just a throw in, who cares? But the lack of urgency, the lack of willingness to take advantage of a, a team that isn't set up yet um, is mental. Every time we get that from, we have to, like you say, we have to wait for him to jog over and then slowly take it. And me and me and Dave have both said in the group chat, you know, even in, in the young teams that we coach, we're kind of trying to drill in that urgency, take advantage of the other team not being set up. But instead, we seem to always wait. And I, I'm with you. I think Tav is pulling rank because it would just be weird that the previous three managers have all given that instruction that when the ball goes out on the right-hand side, wait until Tav comes to take it, no matter where he is on the pitch. That just doesn't seem feasible. Now, it's probably a mixture of they're drilling into them to get set up before you take the throw in. But when you're on that pitch, you've got to be able to have a bit of critical thinking and realise, actually, let's just take this one quick rather than every single time, making sure every single player sets themselves back into a position. And for me, the the reasoning from Michael Beale is more concerning than the overall what happened at that point in the game in saying that, yeah, we've set it up so that when we get a throw in, the whole team sets up in case we lose the ball. So what you're saying there is we're setting up to defend when it's an attacking throw in. That's ludicrous we should be trying to take advantage of the the lack of and uh, lack of communication in the defensive team at that point and the lack of players being in position and our players running into um space and you know the momentum that we've got at that point in the game rather than saying right hold up let's just make sure we're all set up in case we lose the ball here it's, it's just mind-blowing dave i would probably say between yourself and kenny you are probably the most tactically astute podcasters you know you could probably um, articulate certain tactics and certain phases of play better than all of us uh, out of two of you. So I'm going to put this on to you, Dave. Um, and I'm kind of flinging you under the bus here a wee bit, but I'm sure you will you will absolutely come out with, with flying kill. <laughs> Explain to the listeners and to all of us what happens when we take that long to take a throw in um, and why the ball ended up back at Butland. It's, I mean, that's... Obvious, it gives the team, it gives the opposition a wee 10, 30 second breather. Just lets them reset, lets them communicate with each other. Start to talk, get their heads on a swivel and look and see where players are and just get their bearings and get reset in the game. It's an absolute godsend. There's a reason why when the ball goes out for a throw-in, players kick it away or when there's a free kick, players kick it away. There's a reason that happens. Teams know instinctively. If you've played football or you play football, you know, I'm going to kick this away and give myself Five seconds just to get the adrenaline down, get my breath back and let my teammates reset, communicate, check my angles, see what's going on. And we gave them that and more. You could see Kelly's defenders starting to set up and going like, what the fuck's taking so long here? I honestly I honestly thought there was times and it wasn't even just that throw in. There was another one where I thought, he's on the fucking verge of getting booked for time wasting here and we're chasing the game. It was that bad. It's, it's a godsend for defending teams and it should be a nightmare that we create for them. That ball should just get flung straight back into play over somebody's head to make them turn and get it to defeat an attacker. There was options there. There there wasn't enough options because if you see the graphic, there's a big empty space where nobody's actually came short. But as they said, we we coach the kids, quick throw-ins. I tell them throw it over somebody's head because then you're taking them out of the game and making them turn and throw it up the line quickly. There's that and then there's the speed at which the ball's moving and then if if these players if I can try and coach nine year olds to fill in gaps and take up each other's position, how can we not do that? How can somebody no shuffle into right back for Tav? How can Raskin no go in there to just cover the space? Yeah, there's how, enough there's enough defensive midfielders on the part to do that. That's if yeah. Kamara was good at it, fucking don't know do I talk about him really, but the and, and we were good at it under Bill and Gerard in Europe where Players would shuffle in and cover gaps. It's just an instinctive thing that happens at football. This is supposed to be the top level of elite football players. This is supposed to be a team that's got Champions League aspirations. That's the top 1%. This is elite. And they've not got the wherewithal to fill gaps without the captain having to... I'm a big Tav fan, right? But it was frankly embarrassing watching him run all that distance. And we can't shuffle over and fill the gaps. We can't make Lundstrom the right back and make Raskin 
tuck into Lundstrom's position and Borna comes in one and then Tav's got the time to maybe take up an unexpected position in the 10 because we've taken a quick throw in. No, we need to go back to first principles. That, that's like coaching seven-year-olds when you have to tell them everybody kick, go back to your exact position and put cones down for them. And do you know something as well? See if Tav could throw it a fucking million miles and throw it right across the box to the other side of the six-yard box. Fair enough. See if it was a Rory Delap weapon. Brilliant. Let him take every throw in. But he can't. He doesn't. It's not a particularly good throw in. It's not, a, it's not an asset. I can see the point him and Borna going up to take the corners because their deliveries are better. But he brings nothing to having to have take the throw ins. But again, it's not really something we want to dwell on or be have. It's just emblematic of the slowness in play that's crippling us. Mm-hmm. Kenny said earlier, there's no bravery, there's no pace, there's no going beyond, there's no running in behind. The whole thing is just too slow and it's never going to be successful long term in Scotland. Tom, I'm probably going to possess one of the most difficult questions to you over the night. Um, staying on James Tavernier. I have to make it clear that I think James Tavernier should absolutely remain in Rangers starting 11. Um, he brings... It brings too much to to drop him. Um, on the back of actions like uh, we just described there on Saturday, on the back of a tone deaf highlight reel on Friday on Instagram where he posted these highlights for the season, a season in which our rivals won a treble. Considering the fact that this is now his eighth season and he still feels comfortable enough to do this, is it time to change the armband, Tom? No. I'll caveat that by saying it probably most likely 99% won't happen, but it's now a it's it's now a thing, it's now a discussion point. I would say it's not time to change it because I don't see how it benefits anybody. I um, don't think the captaincy isn't isn't a isn't as big a thing. You know, it's it it's a it's very much it's that British football thing, isn't it? Your captain's your big your main man. It's it's not anymore, you know. The likes of Golden doesn't need an armband on him. You know, we've seen it a couple of weeks ago with Raskin, you know, um, calling calling to have out for for, for an error in the friendly. It's, I would. So, the answer, short answer, no, it's not time to, to change the armband. Does anybody want to come in and disagree? I'll disagree with you up to a point, Chris, in terms of um, staying in the starting 11. I don't think his form uh, necessarily merits. We haven't seen Sterling yet, so we don't know how good he is, but um, the boy... If, if James Tavernier's form doesn't up severely, um, uh, th- then there's there's a that's a debate as well for me, Chris. I've got to be honest. But on the other hand, I would actually say whether he loses his place or not, I wouldn't strip him of any captaincy. I, I think it's more a behind the scenes thing thing nowadays, as Tom's alluded to. Okay, okay. Uh, Eddie, Dave, are you still on the Tav should be captain bandwagon? I'm Tav's biggest fan, as he's known. I love what he brings to the team and the goals and contributions and all that. But, uh, maybe this season's just evidence here we slow down. But at the minute, and this might be an overreaction for me and I might just be pissed off, my immediate reaction after the game was that there's a complete toxicity at the heart of this team's mentality and a lack of winning mentality. And I don't know if the captaincy's a thing we need to change or if there just needs to be deeper wholesale changes to the entire personnel around the club. Mm, yeah. Eddie, uh, what's your opinion on it? I um I've never really been huge on the get stripped tab of the captaincy or get him out of the team. Um but now I, I kind of agree that for me it's too many years of, of not succeeding with him as captain. I'm not saying that's down to him by any stretch of the imagination, but he has been the captain of a really unsuccessful Rangers um career and for me it's probably time we take that bit of pressure off him, allow him just to play his game. I don't see us dropping him, in all honesty, um, no matter how his defensive um, weaknesses are showing up. But perhaps take that captaincy away to him and, and give it give it to someone else. It never did Amoruso any harm in the long term, short term. Yeah, he was probably a little bit upset, but actually he still had a really good Rangers career um, when, when the captaincy went across to Barry Ferguson. So... For me, yeah, it's probably about time to strip them of it and um, see if we can kind of really push Rangers on and, and take the next step. I, I just look at it from Dave's point, um, which is there is there's a, a, an obvious um, problem when it comes to the mentality of this team. Um, I don't think that's up for debate now. And I look at the, the main constant, or the main constants. Um, unfortunately, Big Goldson comes into that um, conversation as well, not saying that he's no good enough. I just think you have to look at your senior players who've been there and done it. Goldson's been here now, what, five, six years. Tav's been here eight years. And um, 
we have to, they're the ones that set the tone. They're the leadership group. And the tone is, season after season, unsuccessful. And is it time for a new leadership group? I don't know. I just think, listen, my suggestion for the captaincy is quite a controversial one. Obviously, I I, I think it should go to Cantwell. Um, I think his fearlessness, his, um, his drive and his determination to be a success and the fact that his style of play completely suits what a Rangers captain typically is. Um, so I get that I'm probably going back to days where the captaincy maybe did matter more, but I think that's what we're lacking. Um, and I think a fresh approach is something that would benefit everyone, Tav included. Do I think that's going to happen? I, I don't, I genuinely don't, but that, that certainly is my suggestion. Um, I wouldn't say somebody like Ryan Jack, Nico Rask or something like that. I think I kind of outside the box thinking... Um, who who would benefit most? Who would thrive on that responsibility and pressure? Because listen, I do agree to to a certain extent that the captaincy doesn't mean as much these uh, these days as it did back in the day. But to the Rangers fans, the Rangers captain is still massive. The on field um, responsibility might have dwindled over the years, but the off field responsibility is still huge. We hold the captain to the highest regard and to the highest standard. And um, yeah, for me. Those standards have been met. And I get Taft pulls us out a hole and stuff, but my argument has always been Borna Barisic would pull us out as just as many holes as he was if he had the, the same amount of opportunities as Tav does. Now, listen, Tav's goals out with set pieces is still phenomenal, don't get me wrong. But you give any other member of the team um, the opportunities that Tav gets every single week, then I think we get just as much out, um, you know, uh, outcome in terms of pulling us out a hole, that's just my opinion um, and I think when it comes to leading us on the team, that and Saturday wasn't leadership that was just probably the opposite of leadership it was um, it was an autocratic mess is what I would call that because it was pulling rank and it was to the detriment of the team and enough is enough for that shit I, I can't go on this season watching that. Um, I really can't. Um, Kenny, another positive um, discussion point for you. We'll come to the goal. Throwing. <laughs> come on, we'll the ball in. Rangers let it bounce. And they nick in and they score. And it's 1-0. Pathetic. Uh, brutal. Uh, honestly, brutal. And uh, absolutely the the goal that we, you know, the, the type of goal we have sat and watched this team lose for 18 months or something like that now, and that, I'm going to swear, right, but there's a fuck-up in that back four every single week. That's my issue. It it could be any one of them, right? It could be Barisic, it could be Suter, it could be Goldson, or it could be Tavernier. Last season, it could have been McGregor, but, the, the, you know, in goals, there is an, a catastrophic error in our team ev- at the back every single week, which means we're then playing in the knowledge that we need to score two, sometimes three goals every single game to get a win. Uh, we never looked like scoring two goals, not at any point. We, we didn't look as if we were going to score one on Saturday. So sitting watching it with my son, my son said after about 20 minutes that he said, we're not scoring the day. And I said, well, we'll do well to get a draw then because we can keep a clean sheet. Um, the issue with that goal is... Uh, and I hate to pick on him again, but it's Borna Barisic. Uh, I don't know why he kicks it out for a throw-in uh, when I think it's going out for a goal kick. Can't quite figure that out. Um, then he um, he goes to mark the guy standing in the, the, the goal line, if you notice, and the boy makes a run, and he doesn't bother tracking that run, and it's him that takes the ball, uh, where I think I think it might be Seema, Um doesn't track the flight of the ball properly, gets underneath it, goes over his head, drops like a stone, right in between John Sewer's feet. He dilly-dallies, doesn't react. Boy does go. Um, it's, I, 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 the only way I could describe it, actually, is pathetic. I, I actually can't go... <laughs> do you know what I mean by this when I say I can't go another season watching these basic, basic errors that you see in a public park? You don't see them in the professional game. Uh, at this top level from one particular team week in, week out, where it is individual errors that are causing our mistakes on a weekly basis. Uh, and <coughs> Excuse me, it has to stop, Chris. It's a terrible goal to lose. 
terrible. Tom, uh, Eddie and Dave talk about coaching their kids' teams. Um, and the first thing that you're taught as a kid, now, by the way, I'm, I'm with Kenny, I, I would say Barris is just completely culpable here. But when you're a defender, the, the, literally the first thing you're taught as a kid, or one of the first things, do not let the ball bounce. Attack it and take it to the air. And it's just another soft goal that Rangers have conceded. We're, we're handicapping ourselves, as Kenny said. We're getting into games with the knowledge. We're not going to keep a clean sheet. We've now started the season three points behind Celtic in a massive year. What's going on here? The old saying, you know, from football, if in doubt, put it out. You know, don't let it bounce. Attack it. Get rid of it. It's the same, you know, it's the same stupid goal we've conceded time and time again. You can almost, you know, um, go back through one, through some of our podcast recordings, go through the back catalogue, you'll find us criticising a similar goal somewhere in the last 12 months. So just use that. I don't know what they were thinking. Well, that's it. They, they weren't. They, they, they just panic stations any time a dangerous ball comes in that box. Yeah, and... I mean, how difficult is it? I said it's basic, it's amateur, it's it's what you'd expect on a on a, on a Sunday, on a Sunday down the park. You know, a big a big centre half getting rid of it. I stood there watching it. Yeah, it's honestly, it's just mind-boggling. Eddie, um, Kamarnock have now got something to hold on to, and that's quite the dangerous scenario for Rangers because beforehand, although you could argue they had the draw to hold on to, but the fact now they've got a win to hold on to and Rangers just couldn't penetrate them then. Um, yeah, it's 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 looking like we could play all day, two days, three days, a whole week and no score a goal. And um, to top off his absolute whore of a day, Michael Beale withdraws John Lundstrom and brings on Ryan Jack at 1-0 down. Um, can you possibly explain that in any way, shape or form? <laughs> Short answer, no. I, I don't think there's a single. On, I, <laughs> I don't think Michael Beale would even be able to explain what his thinking is behind that because we we already went into the game with three not fully defensive but like at least deep lying midfielders and for the last I, I don't get it for the last kind of five years as a collective fan base we've been complaining that we don't need to be playing games against teams like Kilmarnock like Ross County like like Saint Mirren and I don't mean any offence naming these teams it's just the teams that are coming ahead. Um, when I'm speaking, but we've been saying we don't need to be entering games against teams like that with two deep-lying defensive midfielders, and it's almost like Beale went, oh, well, you don't like two, try three, mm-hmm. and then when we go 1-0 behind and show that that wasn't the right attitude, he's like, well, it, it was like a, I don't know, stubbornness, like, uh, right, well, we'll just do a like-for-like like sub, it, it's, yeah. It, I mean, the, the, the most obvious substitution in the whole of substitution history was right there in front of him, surely. Mm-hmm. Well, you're looking at, I mean, the most obvious first name on the team sheet was right there in front of him, but yeah, right. somehow he managed to miss that. So, I don't know. We're complaining about a team that had a lack of creativity in it, and we had a manager that had a lack of creativity on the touchline, because when he seen it wasn't working, he should have changed things up and got us into a more attacking kind of style of play, and failed to and then when we went 1-0 down decided to keep it as was so Fuentes how so Fuentes did not get on at 1-0 what have we got to lose we're, we're getting beat okay if he comes on and has an absolute stinker for 20 minutes we're not that bad of a fan base where we write him off because we're getting beat Cantwell came on he was the saviour for this match he should have started he came on and he was he, he, he didn't impress um, but no turning ring going I Bill was right for not playing Cantwell we're actually saying the opposite we're saying well Cantwell should have started Um Chasing a goal, 1-0 down, we're told that Cifuentes is a box-to-box killer in the middle of that field who will drive forward, he's got a shot in him, uh, sorry, he's got a shot in him, and we keep him on the bench for another defensive midfielder at 1-0 down. Dave, we were hanging on, we were fucking hanging on, and it looks like we made that substitution to make sure we didn't go on second goal down, because there was only one team that was going to score another goal, and it wasn't the Rangers. Nah, we could have played all night and still no scored, and the... The the 3 sets up with the new. It's the three up front are too clustered and isolated. The three in midfield don't get beyond and don't run. They all want to stay in that box. They all want to stay in in the lines, if you like, and they not even attempt to bring on Cantwell. So Fuentes, I, I'm not so sure. Guys, just for playing, I, I I'm not so sure throwing him in is a good idea. But to not make the substitutions earlier at half time when it clearly wasn't working, and as I said earlier, hasn't he been? It's not as if this was a blip in an otherwise excellent pre season. 
this was the story of pre-season. This is how we've played. No creating chances, no clear opportunities, pedestrian in midfield, substitutions that don't really help, and bizarre, switched off, lackadaisical, sort of slow reaction defending. All the hallmarks are there. It's And now you're throwing bizarre substitutions into the mix. It's We're not quite beal out territory yet. I know some have expressed some scepticism, but if you look on Twitter, the mood is starting to turn and people are just going with the evidence of their eyes. Everything I've just narrated there, people are starting to draw the conclusion that maybe he's not the guy and decisions like he made during the game at the weekend certainly don't help that narrative. Nah, the game finished 1-0, first day of the season defeat, three points behind them already. It's it's um, it's seriously bad. So Dave brings up Michael Beale. He he is under serious serious pressure now. He is under serious pressure. We've got Champions League coming up against Servette. We've got a game against Celtic coming up um, at the start of September. If he does not get Champions League, um, I'll, I'll try and caveat that by a wee bit. A wee bit. Like, I don't expect to get Champions League. <clears throat> I didn't expect to get Champions League even before the Commando game, even before pre-season. You can never go into these seasons expecting to get Champions League when you have to go through the qualifiers. But I expect to beat Servette. I absolutely expect to beat Servette. If he if he gets beat from Servette over these two legs and then we fall six points behind at the start of September with a defeat against Celtic, um, Kenny, I, I take absolutely zero pleasure in having to say this, but he he simply cannot. His position will be untenable. He cannot be afforded a free season to get this team up and running. We we cannot be that team. Gerard got the luxury of time because of the situation we're in. Bill has not inherited Pedro Kitsinius Rangers. Bill has inherited a Rangers that can be fairly competitive, but we just need a new engine under the bonnet. He's been given the money for that engine, and it's stalled at the first hurdle. And I'm just going to pass it on to you, Kenny, because I'm running out of car puns. Look, the, 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 what's concerning me more than anything else about this, I, I, I tend to, I understand what you're saying, but I tend to disagree. I don't, I don't see him being under. You know, from our board I'm talking about, I don't see them being under too much pressure immediately. Um, I think they're fully aware how difficult it, it is to get Champions League football through these qualifiers. You, you've got two tough ties, uh, so I'm not sure about that. If he the, the domestic form stays as it is, I think he'll get uh, he'll get a fair bit of time to try and get his team bedded in. But my issue is. Um, I'm of the old school here, right, where what you do is you build a team from the back and he's put all his, you know, his eggs into the, the middle to front basket, so to speak. I know he's brought he's brought Balligan and, and Sterling in, but we've not really seen them much in pre-season at all. And the, the one half that I think, well, maybe he said two, but the first half in Hoffenheim, Balligan was a nightmare. He was an absolute nightmare. Um Playing with the boy Yefeko, and this is this is my kind of issue here that we sat we started that game yesterday like a team that didn't know each other, um, and the issue I have with it right now is that we've got a back four that's been playing together for four or five years, and on a weekly basis they've got a mistake in them, as I've just said, and that breeds no confidence throughout your team. And this is the issue that we have for me at this minute in time. He has to get that defence sorted and very, very quickly. We've been talking about bringing a left centre half in all summer and he's still not done it. Um, that that worries me because I looked at Conor Goldson on Saturday and I know some people are saying he was all right. I thought he was horrific on Saturday. I thought he looked so unfit. Uh, I thought he was laboured. I thought his passing was appalling. Um, but there we go, he moves Suter over to the left to accommodate Connor Goldson, and it's what you alluded to about this toxicity uh, that's that's in this team, that Connor Goldson can turn up and train for a week and say, I'm fit to play, Gaffer, and then he comes. Um, that All that kind of stuff needs to stop. Um, Tavernier, you know, taking corner kicks on the far side and then having to run over to take a, th- a, a, a throw-in, uh, that's got to stop. Uh, the two guys that are taking the free kicks all the time, Tavernier and Barisic, we've got guys like Todd Cantwell. I've seen him hit one free kick, uh, one corner kick at Ibrox, and it's the best free kick I've seen in about five years. 
their corner kick I've seen in about five years. I think it was against Partick Thistle, if I remember right. Uh, it might not have been, but it was tremendous. We've got guys that can take dead dead balls and stuff like this. And this is the problem we've got. Because this is maybe a, a, a brave new dawn and a, a new era. And it was just so... It, as I said to you earlier on, before we started recording, it was like watching a, a Rangers team for four or five years ago. Uh, it's all got to change. Uh, it's a new team and it needs uh, new ideas. That's what I would say. Will they get time? Um, it's a results-driven business, Chris. That we, we know that, but I think he'll get a wee bit more time than fans would expect, to be honest, because he has got you know nine new players in. That's what I would say. I think he'll get a wee bit more time than perhaps he, we all think he might get. Possibly, but the the fans are the fans have had enough. They're fed up, um, and uh, you know Bisgrove and and, and Bennett are, are pretty big on the. The narrative of we will listen to us, and I think that will be the deciding factor because the there will be very, very, very patient Rangers fans who 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 will say give him time and he'll, he needs to get his team together and he needs to get a style of play, etc. All, all the stuff that the Rangers manager should be done before a ball skipped. There still will be guys saying that he still has to do that for whatever reason. Everybody has their own reasons. I'm I'm never I'm never going to call out these people. I'll be mystified completely by that attitude, but there will be those people. But I'd say the vast majority are the knives are out and the, the they're, they're sharpening them definitely, hundred percent. Um, Eddie, where are you? We we Michael be at the moment? I'll ask you also, Eddie. Yeah, I'm not like wanting to jump the gun or overreact, but I do I do think there or you should at least personally be feeling some pressure after Saturday because I've seen lots of people say it was his first. Um, you know, it was the first game of the season and Ange lost the first game of the season a couple of years ago. Advocat lost the first game of the season. But the difference was they were managers who were coming brand new into a club in a league that they didn't know. And it was their first competitive game um, at the club. Whereas Beal's been at, in the league at Rangers in some capacity or another, apart from that um, year that he took out um, for five years now. So he knows the league well. He had eight months, more or less, to prepare for this game. So for me, that first game of the season excuse doesn't really um, line up for me. I think he's going to have to go out and not only is he going to have to win, um, he's going to have to win in style. And previously, I wouldn't have cared how we win, but I think given just how horrible we've been in pre-season as Dave covered and how terrible it was on Saturday we're going to be looking for some performances as well not necessarily every game obviously but for the next couple of games just so we can say okay there is something in that team and we can start to buy back into it but it's going to take quite a bit of work. Tom? Yeah he should be uh, as, um, as Eddie said he should be feeling a little bit of pressure but being realistic there's no way we're going to get rid of him unless things do dramatically slump in a, in a couple of months you know, but yeah, I, yeah, it should be you know it should be self-induced pressure, and but uh, that's about it really. And uh, Dave, where are you at? Well, the knives are not quite out, but I know where it is, and I'm just keeping a wee <laughs> eye on it. <laughs> uh, I, I'm notorious for being manager out pretty early, and I was that way with Gio and Gerald at points, and it's easy to be manager out, so you need to be able to justify it. Because ultimately, most managers do get sacked or careers end in failure. But the underlying performances under Bill last season weren't quite as good as we'd hoped. This pre-season, they've been extraordinarily poor performances if you take them in the round. I think he is under pressure. And I think anything less than, somebody said, that a win in style on Wednesday night, if it's a sketchy 2-1, 1-0, and the fans come away <clears throat> dissatisfied, I think that just adds to the pressure. If there's a, an inkling, a feeling that we're going to go to... Switzerland and be up against it. I think that ramps it up. He's then got Levy at home where he really needs it just to be a 3-0 standard win at the absolute worst. Then a couple of free hits, I suppose, if you've done all right in Europe, you've got the cup game. But then Ross County away, Celtic at home and St Johnson away. That looks like a bit of a minefield getting into late September, early October. And really, if things haven't sorted out by that point, for me, the pressure will be pretty much insurmountable because the reason Gio suffered is because fans were leaving games after winning, dissatisfied and could see that the performances weren't there and I think Bill's already in that territory 
where fans are kind of going, fucking hell, right, okay, Hoffenheim, fucking whatever, Hamburg 2-1, but it was shite. Now we've been beat, the pressure's just ramped up, and dismal performances in the games, or anything, any more drop points, and I, I think we'll be in the market for a new manager by early October at the latest. I, I hope I'm wrong, but at the moment, I just, I don't, I can't see it. I think, I, I said to you guys earlier, these things you hear, or, or it takes time to click, and teams finding its feet and will turn the corner. These things never really happen. They're a bit of a kind of football miss that somehow things just click into gear and teams go on a run. It happens. If it does happen, it happens very seldom. Usually the underlying performances are a good indicator of what's coming in the future. And at the moment, those are so bad. I just look at that run of fixtures and wonder where we'll be at the end of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's not looking great at all. Um, and it's up to be able to turn it around. Um I'm sorry about this life as Rangers manager. Um, look, let's finish off on a positive. Um, we have teamed up with Pi Sports, so get yourself over to piesports.com and use the discount code SAT at free. So that's S A T the at sign or the at symbol free, and you can get ten percent off any orders. Um, they deliver to all G postcodes, most PA postcodes, most ML postcodes, and most FK postcodes. Um, if you order before 1pm on Wednesday, you'll get it for Thursday, 1pm Thursday, you'll get it for Friday, and 11am uh, Friday, and you'll get it for Saturday. Um, and they will offer, obviously, um, build your own bundles, they do the Donner Kebab bundles, uh, mac- uh, hospitality macaroni pies, Mister um, teamed up with Mr. Singh's chicken and bala pies. Um, and obviously you've got your kind of favourites, your your Scotch pies and steak pies and stuff. Eddie, you have spoken to the guys at Pie Sports. Do you want to come in and give a wee bit more information on this? Sorry, I was just going to jump in. I'm also checking to see if they deliver out with those area codes. I know that's what's on the website, but um, I believe they now use couriers to deliver elsewhere, but we'll confirm that in time for the next pod as well. Absolutely. And as part of this um, partnership with Pie Sports, they're going to give us some bundles to give away to you, the listeners. Um, now, we'll try to be creative about this. We don't want to just give them away just randomly. We want to be creative. We want to um, start you know, engaging with, with the listeners, create that wee relationship with you guys. And we all agreed that the best way to do this is for every let me think let me think every podcast after a weekend game which will be the two defeats from a, a crisis podcast so for example this one here we, we we will start it so we're kind of looking for next monday or tuesday's podcast after the weekend's game against livingston we are asking you after that podcast to then nominate your pie of the week could be anything could be a rangers player could be um, pundits could be your pal. Um, what we're looking for is obviously could be one of us. Uh, could be, be one of us. One of us. I absolutely probably will be one of us more often. So what Chris, you're winning this I'll just, week. Yeah, no. I was going to say. I'll just say we're limited to one uh, one successful winner referencing Chris a month. <laughs> Well, the rules are simply we'll put a, a tweet out um, after the podcast is dropped and we'll ask you for your nominations. You need to justify your nominations. You will obviously give your reason why you're nominating that person for Pie of the Week. And the guys who will then be on um, the Just Fucking Win podcast, which will drop before the weekend's game, will then announce the winner because we will read out the best ones that we get and we'll decide amongst ourselves what the best one is. Uh, we'll, we'll take a, a democratic vote on that. So nominate your pie of the week. Um, are we starting it this week, Eddie? We, obviously, we're going to give our pie of the week, um, but are we going to start the, the, the tweet tomorrow and obviously ask guys for the suggestions so that they can win um, for the two uh, Just Fucking Win podcast? So we'll send the pies out this weekend, or are we starting that proper next weekend? Wait, wait, wait. Just to clarify, it's one winner a month. So oh, each, right. week, okay. each week we'll pick a winner and then we'll take the four winners, the four weekly winners into a final vote and the winner of the month gets a, a complimentary box from the Pi Sports guys. So yeah, if we start this week. Right, okay, so we'll start this week. Right. Great clarification. We're not quite trusted to give away a crate of pies per week yet, but obviously with the power of the listeners, that's the that's the aim. So one one crate a, one crate a month um, and we'll start, we'll start your, your nominations from this week. 
Um, so we thought we would kind of kick off the pie of the week amongst ourselves and then we'll hand it over to you, the listeners. And we've all unanimously uh, voted that the pie of the week this week is um, one Mr. Michael Beal for that absolute horrific managerial performance at the weekend and the way that he set the team lineup, the way that the style of play that, that was just non-existent, his substitutions, he had an all round an all-round terrible weekend and it simply has to be a one-off. Um, we're all in agreement with that, guys, yeah? Pie of the week, Michael Bill. Ah, it's yep. not a great sign, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. But yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really... I'm really looking forward to seeing some of the suggestions. Um, I'm, I'm probably I'm going to cop it at some point, yeah. But that that will make it as long as it's good fun. Don't get personal. Um, and as I say, we'll read out the best ones and then we'll decide amongst ourselves uh, who has won that um, create a prize for for the month. And um, so all that's left for me to do is before I thank my plethora of guests is obviously thank you guys, the listeners. Now it's 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 why companies such as Pi Sports are obviously um, approaching us and talking to us and, and giving us this, this kind of sponsorship is because we are getting more and more listeners and it's, it's brilliant, it's brilliant. Listen, we were never going to be heart and hand or whatever and it's never really the aim. Well, I suppose, you know, if, if we get to that level, we're not going to complain, but well, well, this is a hobby for us and it's, it's, it's madness that when Andrew and Eddie send the data on and you see that some guy in New Zealand has downloaded 10 podcasts over the last two weeks. You're like, wow, how how is somebody in New Zealand listening to us? And it will never not be cool. It is pretty cool. Um, we're just normal guys talking absolute shit about Rangers and we obviously relate at some points we won't we won't relate to everything we say but i think that's what's good about it there can be different points of view made um and as i said the, the support that we've had from uh, the listeners has been just phenomenal um producer andrew's on andrew obviously uh it's it's been quite a better than expected growth over the summer considering we maybe weren't able to put out as much content as we wanted and um, obviously especially me getting back to work and stuff like that. Um, so the, the growth itself over the summer has been pretty remarkable, considering. Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we weren't expecting to have a massive amount of downloads over the um, over the break because we weren't putting out that much. You know, we could obviously only re- react to the uh, the signings, the uh, pre-season games, but uh, everyone came out in spades. Um, so, you know, we, we said it, I think, on the first pod that we were back on. But, yeah, can't thank the listeners enough for um, continuing support. Um, we appreciate every single one of you. So thank you very much. Absolutely. And, you know, hopefully over the um, over the next couple of weeks or the, or the next couple of months, we'll have more uh, more, more partnerships with, with, with different kind of companies um, and we'll have more competitions, more giveaways. Um, so it should be an exciting season on that front, at least, um, even if Rangers want to let us down. So, as I say, thank you very much for your support. Um, and you can get us in just about every social media channel that there is now, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or X, if you will. We're on threads. Um, you can obviously get a podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Yeah, we're on TikTok as well. Anywhere that we're uh, anywhere there's a social media presence, we are pretty much there. Please like, follow, or subscribe. So all that's left for me to do is obviously thank my my, my guests. Uh, we'll get Tom. Thanks very much, mate. No, it was always good to be on here. Hopefully, it'll be a happier pod next time I'm on. Yeah, just on that actually, um, I almost forgot we're actually playing on Wednesday as well against Servette. What I will commit to doing is uh, I'll, I'll commit to hosting a bite-sized pod. Um, I'll get that done um, hopefully for tomorrow um, because obviously I don't want to overload you with, with a, a long-duration podcast. Um, so I'll, I'll commit to getting that done. Um, so thanks for reminding me of that, Tom, that we're actually playing in a couple of days. Um, Eddie, thanks very much, mate. Aye, cheers. I normally like to end these by saying it's been fun, but this has not been fun. Nah, I don't even feel better. I probably feel worse. Uh, Dave, thanks very much. Yeah, cheers, lads. And uh, Kenny, thank you, mate, as always. Go and get your dinner, Chris. You'll be starving. Still got time, 24 minutes. Um, and of course, thanks to producer Andrew, who needs to, um, who, who, well, who very kindly volunteered to sit out this one and just listen to us rant. Um, probably muted it just so that he didn't need to listen to just, you know, five guys shouting at each other.
I mean, I assume you guys are going to run for like an hour and a half of you yelling at Michael Beale. So, you know, it was quite lucky I unmuted myself when I did. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, in all honesty, it was very good to get the whole gang together for this one. Um, you don't need my uh, opinions weighing in to say, yeah, no, it was shit, actually. I didn't have fun because um, I think everyone else covered that very well. So, um, but yeah, pleasure to be back properly, uh, even if the football doesn't reflect our joy. So, um, yeah, we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, so we will be back probably um, at, at some point, actually today, because this will be dropping on Tuesday, so we'll probably have one out by Tuesday evening, um, Wednesday uh, morning, afternoon, at the very latest, to preview the Servette game. We'll also be back to look, uh, we'll also be back this week again further to look back in the Servette game and then look forward to the game against Livingston at the weekend. So there'll be a few few podcasts dropping this week, um, so join us then and um, let's just hope Rangers um, get over this very, very horrific start to the season on Wednesday where I win at Servette Ibrox. So thanks very much.